When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, hello there and welcome in to the 56th edition of the Announcer Schedules podcast. No, I am not the seemingly irreplaceable Mike Gill. He's having to be replaced because of all things, gremlins with the computers and issues with the technology. I got the bat signal on this Thursday. Hey, uh, we, we got an issue. Uh, my man Phil is good, but he's tough playing Mike Gill and Phil DeMont Mullen on the same podcast. So the, the guys put the bad signal up. I'm merely TJ Reeves. He's Phil DeMont Mullen of the Announcer Schedules podcast feed that I, I often, often, often refer to, as do a bunch of you uh, that are obviously listening here, to find out who's calling the games on the national level. We love that. Hello, Phil, and I'm happy to be with you in the breach on this edition of the show here in July. Yeah, really appreciate you stepping in quickly here in this pinch hitting role during uh, Major League Baseball All Star Week. We got a lot to to go over, and I'm looking not forward to to talking some uh, announcers Gibson. with you. I'm not quite Kirk Gibson limping to the plate in the World Series for that metaphor, or one of those, or having to you know as a pinch hitter having a, having a big moment like that. But uh, yeah, we hope my again Mike's fine health wise. Don't freak out, people. It's just the technology is what it is, and he's having issues. And you guys tried for a couple of hours, and that's why I'm here to help you guys out on this feed, on the on the Last Word on Sports uh, Media uh, podcast feed, which this podcast, Announcer Schedules, comes on uh, every week, usually late in the week, give or take if you're, you're allowed to take a week off, sometimes here in the summer, uh, which you guys have done. But you wanted to, you wanted to jump right in because there's so much that we're going to talk about from the 30th, can that be right, the 30th anniversary of Jim Valvano's amazing speech at the SB Awards and the launch of the V Foundation for the fight against cancer was 30 years ago. We're going to talk about that in a new documentary, Major League Baseball All-Star Game, NBA Summer League, soccer going soccer going on this summer every which direction, including the Women's World Cup about to start up. No shortage of subject matter, even in July, my friend. Yeah, you know, we touch on this every week, Mike and I, that we think it's the off season, you know, being in July and that they're, you know, this is the the dog days before football arrives and that kind of thing. But there's no shortage of announcer news on any week of the calendar. Yep. So we'll get into that in a few minutes. Now, first of all, uh, again, thank you for finding us. Make sure you follow, subscribe on the last word on sports media podcast feed. 
that you found this podcast on. You can also search it through the announcer schedule's Twitter feed and find the link, et cetera. But the easiest way to get this is to subscribe, follow or subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and it comes to you later on in the week. So with that disclaimer out of the way, you were educating me just before we began, just before we hit the record button. You said, hey, have you seen this SB's 30th anniversary documentary they've done about the speech with Jim Valvano. So you are at an advantage over me. You have seen it as we tape this. I have not seen it. I'm obviously ultra familiar uh, with this story, with that speech. But for the peeps, for the listeners that are out there and the folks that haven't seen it, tell them more about what you saw without ruining all of it, if there's new stuff, and why they should see it. Go ahead, Phil. Sure. So last night, as we're taping here on on Thursdays, was the ESPYS, you know, ESPN's signature award event, and you know that aired over on ABC. ESPN used the seven p.m. hour as a lead-in to the ESPYS to air this new documentary called "The Speech," and a one-hour documentary, and really got into. Um, you know the specifics of the speech and that kind of thing, but you know, told told Jimmy V's story. I think focusing more on the cancer and the research side than you know perhaps has been told before, and got into you know a lot of you know his friends who have also had to go through cancer battles themselves, his daughter who has you know uh, gone through a cancer battle herself, and you know how his speech not only, you know, is iconic and people bring it up time, you know, um, don't give up, don't ever give up all these things. The fact that it launched this cancer research, you know, millions and millions of dollars going into cancer research and, you know, why that was so important for, for Jimmy V and, and moreover, um, you know, how it's helped so many people over the years. So really, really good piece. I recommended it to some folks, uh, some family members who, you know, might not be the hugest college basketball fans and they enjoyed it thoroughly said it was incredibly tender and, and touching and that kind of thing. So I couldn't recommend it enough. I'm not sure when the re-airs are going to be. I'm sure if you've got ESPN plus, you can figure out that kind of thing, but throughout it, you know, just, um, a lot of, you know, broadcasters that we're familiar with and many of whom have gone through their own battles. And these are people close to to jimmy v you know guys like his brother of course bob valvano you know who who we we hear on uh espn radio and has been you know on the talk radio side of things for forever uh dickie v who you know I'm, i know i know you'll have some thoughts on as well who's going through his his own battle right now robin roberts you know she actually was who followed jimmy v at the espies that night talking about a tough uh, you know, act to follow mm. following the speech. You know, she was the next person up there on, on the podium. And she talks about that and, you know, how, you know, how influential Jimmy V was for her and in, in her battles, uh, the late Stuart Scott, of course. And then, you know, there, there's guys, you know, um, such as Joe Theismann and Chris Berman, who we know from the announcing world, who um, are part of the documentary as well because they had a front row seat for the speech and that kind of thing. So really a, a fascinating uh, documentary. I highly recommend it. And um, it got me thinking more and more about, about Jimmy V, which I'd love to get into with you, you know, as far as him as a broadcaster as well, you know, that's kind of like where, where my head goes is, you know, kind of looking back on his broadcasting career, which was a short, but memorable one, you know, calling, calling college basketball games for ABC and ESPN. Well, of course he has the, the iconic indelible moment of running around after NC state had won the national championship, looking for somebody to hug at the pit in Albuquerque in 1983, the NC state upset of Houston on the last second dunk. 
So, but a lot of people don't realize he coached beyond that until there was NCAA trouble, et cetera. He coached another seven or eight years. And then a lot of other people may not realize he was not a broadcaster that long with ESPN and, and ABC for only the three years, right? 1990 until his illness really in 1993. And he was doing that 92, 93 basketball season while getting sicker and then eventually uh, very sick in in uh, in March when they did the ESPYs in and around there and, di- and died soon after that. Uh, the one thing that I remember, and I'm sure it's in the documentary, is the people were just blown away as sick as he was that he could get up on that stage and even make the speech. And Dick Vitale's talked about that and Mike Krzyzewski's talked about that. It's an amazing story of perseverance and courage, uh, not just from the standpoint of uh, of people that are ill or injured or whatever, but the magnitude of what that speech has become from somebody that was so ill to give the speech. I mean, he had cancer ravaging his body, tumors all over his body, and would not live much longer. And it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing yeah. to watch that speech, the focus on the speech, on the documentary part, Phil, just one more time. And he talked to... Um... The, the doctor, you know, the, the oncologist was uh, part of the documentary as well. And he went against doctor's orders to go to New York. You know, he was supposed to remain down there in, in Durham, North Carolina, you know, at the, at the Duke Medical Center and continue, you know, his treatment and that kind of thing. He said, I, I'm going to go to New York City. And his doctor said, I don't recommend you do that. And he, he regardless, he went, they talked about the plane ride up there that, that Coach K went on with him and, and how ill he was that that entire, you know, stretch right there. And, you know, he, he would, he told uh, Dickie V and coach K, Hey, get me on and off the stage. I got it beyond that. And uh, yeah, just kind of fascinating. They also got into the production of the show that night from the ESPN standpoint too, because he went way past, you know, the, the allocated time, you know, but they weren't going to, you know, lose this gem, you know. In, well, they're in, blinking the light the, at him. Yep. It's the first time they had done the ESPY awards. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's the correct. first ESPYs. And so they're trying to stay on schedule and they're blinking the light at him times up or whatever. And he even stops in the middle of the speech and doesn't miss a beat and says they're blinking a light at me i'm dying of cancer like i'm gonna pay attention to that right now while he gives the speech so great tease everybody go see the documentary on the speech through espn plus i'm sure they will be replaying it as it's a slower time right now on the family of networks or espn.com may have a link to it that's available or an article about it go read more and then you were going to list off Dick uh, Dick Vitale obviously was the most prominent, but they had begun to groom Jim Valvano to kind of be a 1A on calling a lot of their big basketball games in the early 90s before his illness. And he worked with a lot of big time play by play guys. Just real yeah, quick. I, I, I do want to touch on his broadcasting career a little more because I think it does get kind of forgotten about in this whole thing. And like you said, you know, just a, a three year deal. You know, he get he gets signed by ESPN in, in 1990 leading up to the 90, 91 uh, season. And that was a bit controversial in and of itself because ABC news was who was the big, uh, um, newsbreaker when it came to the scandal at NC state. And then here was ABC sports and ESPN <laughs> hiring Jim Valvano as their analyst. So they had a little bit of, you know, spin doctoring to do there as far as, you know, um, the, the public went and then Valvano gets started. I mean, he's an absolute natural on the air that the, the charisma and, you know, just his, his way with words and everything. And he makes his ESPN debut back in November of 1990. Uh, 
Um, an LSU Villanova game at the Hall of Fame tip-off up in Springfield, Massachusetts. Mike Gorman, his play-by-play announcer for that one. Then he makes his ABC debut a week later in Indianapolis for an Indiana-Louisville game. Brent Musburger, who was his partner, you know, more than anybody else on, on games. Uh, and also Cheryl Miller on the sidelines. Mark Jones, a former guest of the Announcer Schedules podcast, uh, did sidelines for a bunch of games with Brent and Valvano as well. Uh, there was a couple three-man booths. Brent with Dick Vitale and Jim Valvano. And then the, you know, um, Vitale, Valvano, and John Saunders, who is really, really close to, to Jimmy V, worked a ton in the studio together. But, you know, as I was going through this and, and just a few more of the names, you know, play-by-play partners, uh, Tim Brando uh, did a bunch with them. Bob Carpenter, who's now the voice of the Nationals, um, worked with them some at ESPN. The late Ron Franklin, Sean McDonough, Mike Patrick, uh, Steve Zabriskie, uh, if you want to kind of go a little deeper. Dave Woloshin, a name you're familiar with from the Memphis Tigers, Lolo. right, TJ? My man, Lolo. Dave Woloshin, and I got a story about how he ended up working with Valvano in a second when you're done, but continue with the roll call. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the late Jim Durham as well. And, you know, we mentioned John Saunders, but, you know, what I do want to make sure I point out, and as I was kind of going through his history as a broadcaster, this is what really stuck out, TJ. And I don't think people talk about this or realize this at all. He did a game after the speech, his final game, his final college basketball game, his final broadcast was with ABC three days after the speech. The speech was on March 4th, 1993. His last ABC game was on March 7th, 1993. It was a Duke at North Carolina game in Chapel Hill. Brent on play-by-play. Julie Moran, if you remember that name, uh, later I think got on Entertainment Tonight and that kind of thing. She Mm -hmm. was the reporter. And... Brent and, and, and Jim do their open. They do the game. I mean, Valvano's energy level on this thing was incredible. And then there's a post-game yep. kind of sign-off that Brent and uh, Jimmy V do. And you're able to find the full game over on YouTube if you're so inclined. But Brent and, and Jimmy V do a post-game sign-off. Jimmy V cracks a couple jokes about you know the doctors that he's going to the doctors at duke even though unc blows out duke in this in this matchup and uh, then he does some interviews uh jimmy v does with eric montross who you know crazily enough there's so, you know unfortunately and sadly there's so many of these like tie-ins with with people who are experienced cancer but you know eric montross who's now a unc radio analyst and also does stuff with westwood one occasionally he was diagnosed with cancer just this past yes. spring and so one of the last images you have of jimmy v on television is him interviewing Montross uh, in this post-game UNC and Duke in 1993. So that was just a real interesting revelation I had as I was going through his, his history. He, you know, sadly passed away, you know, uh, less than two months later at the, in the end of April, but you know, a short yet memorable career. I mean, like you said, he was on a fast track to be a huge, huge television star. And people were talking about him becoming like a, a variety act also and doing talk shows, oh, sure. maybe going to Vegas and that kind of thing. He was that entertaining. And I'll even give you one more and then we got to move on to the baseball all-star game and other stuff. But he was, he and Dick Vitale were so big with the coverage that Bill Cosby, and I don't mean to go 15 to 30 minutes on the whole Bill Cosby post-controversy now with, with everything that's going on there, but the Cosby show, Phil, you can testify, in the 80s, was as big as anything on TV. I mean, for example, 
very famously in the 1980s when NBC would run the World Series games, they would not start until after they had run the Cosby show. That's how big it was with 40, 50 million people watching it every week. And Bill Cosby was such a fan of Valvano and Dick Vitale. He had them on an episode as in a cameo as like movers moving furniture out of his house. That And that was in about 1992, the crossover 91, 92, something like that of Valvano and Vital onto the Cosby show uh, was that big of a deal on another network on NBC, not on ABC, ESPN, uh, as they owned it. You mentioned my buddy Wolo, Dave Woloshin, who has been the 30 year voice of the Memphis Tigers. He's been in the Memphis radio market now for some 40 plus years. Uh, in that market, he got to do a very important in and around the time that I was there, a Memphis State Arkansas game, because John Saunders had gotten sick and gotten sicker once he got to Memphis and could not talk and could not do the game. And they came to Dave Woloshin, who at that time was not doing the Memphis Tigers on the radio. He was doing the Tigers on TV as well as doing other stuff, local radio, local TV, and said, we need you, babe. You're in with Jim Valvano. So they did the national game on ESPN together. And I think he worked with Jimmy V on another occasion later on, but he got to work that game uh, with him. And one more story I'll share here on the announcer schedules podcast is I got to take part in the second ever, and now it's been going on forever, the Dick Vital Gala down here in Sarasota, Florida. And Phil is a Floridian like I am uh, throughout your, your existence, but now you're in North Carolina. I know that cooler nights in the North Carolina mountains, but Vital had done the first gala at his home, an intimate gathering of some 50 people, something like that at his home to fundraise. This was the second one and the first one they had ever done where they now hold this gala for the Jimmy V foundation in Sarasota at the Ritz Carlton hotel. And it's in a massive, massive area of the Ritz Carlton with a massive ballroom where there's easily a thousand people fill. I've been in that room before for this. There, there may even be 1,200 or 1,500 people that can now be at this event. And they have raised hundreds of millions of dollars literally ever since then. But the first one that was there, the second one they ever did, I got the privilege of being there when they honored Coach K. I was involved with Sirius XM Radio at that time. And we did a full one-hour special with me interviewing the likes of Dick and Coach K, Rick Patino, Tom Izzo, the, co- the, the biggest coaches in, in the game, Bill Self. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Chuck Daly, who had coached the dream team, Dan Schulman. I'm interviewing all of these people at the second ever gala when they were raising uh, money for the Jimmy V foundation. And that has continued. The V foundation work has continued. And again, it's, it's that big of a deal because as Jim said, as Dick Vital, who's now battling cancer again, shout out again to Dickie V with the vocal cord cancer relapse that we can hopefully have him back at some point at 82 years of age, 82 years young, If it hasn't touched you, it's going to touch a family member or somebody you know. And, Phil, I know you're nodding along with me right now. You could see me. It's going to touch family member or somebody you know or somebody's relatives or co-worker or whatever. And you look at the long list of people that, I I mean, that you were mentioning and I was mentioning, Bob Valvano, Robin Roberts, Dan Schulman, Dick Vitale, they've all been touched by cancer themselves since the speech, just to wrap it up. Yeah. And one last thing, you know, this Jimmy V award for perseverance and they showed, you know, clips of a lot of the the past winners and that kind of thing. Guys like, you know, Craig Sager and, and Stuart Scott and so forth. Well, last night's recipient, I don't know if you caught this TJ, but from the Chicago White Sox, Liam Hendricks 
34 uh, year old. Um, you know, he battled uh, cancer all of last season, pitched through it, uh, you know, after being di- diagnosed with an advanced stage of, of cancer uh, and was declared cancer free this past April. So there's all these examples now of of people overcoming it and, you know, surviving, you know, th- this terrible affliction and, and that kind of thing. You know, and what the documentary, I think, as much as anything, is it emphasizes this importance on the research you know, and how it was so underfunded when, um, you know, in, in Jimmy V's day, but it's come so far thanks to, you know, the V Foundation and, and others uh, who've gotten behind this cause. And, you know, and Robin Roberts said, eventually there might be a day, you know, she sees a day. In fact, there, there won't might be a day, there, there will be a day when people look back and say, hey, remember when people used to get cancer? You know, like as if it's just like this obsolete, you know, deal. And so, um, you know, I really appreciate, you know, us taking the time here on, on our show, you know, to to, to uh, talk about this topic. And, you know, again, I, I can't recommend that documentary enough and, and just the work that's being done on the awareness side from the, the, the sports media industry, you know, it, it is substantial. And uh, hats off also to ESPN. They, t- you know, the management w- was, um, you know, talked about a bunch in the, the documentary as well, how the company got behind this cause. And without it, you know, the V Foundation wouldn't have been able to do what it did also. So, um, you know, glad we were able to spend some time on this important topic. And, uh, you know, Jimmy V, you know, what an incredible personality and his legacy continues to to march on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. No doubt. No doubt about that. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars that have been raised, not only for research, but for treatment, experimental treatment. Um, and and I don't think it's an overstatement to say thousands and thousands and thousands have benefited from the research they've done, the treatment that they have for cancer. We can't overstate it enough. So back to the fun and game of sports on the announcer schedules podcast here, the major league baseball all-star game played in Seattle earlier this week. You want to hit on a couple of things as Fox obviously broadcasted the game. ESPN radio had it nationally, but you and I, you and I were commiserating off the air. Who knew that was the preview to me because in the breach, uh, and because of technical problems, I had to step in last minute here that we were going to do this a little bit on the air. But you and I were talking all-star game memories and all-star broadcasting stuff off the air. We're going to do it a little bit on the air, but they did play the all-star game. And hey, the National League, uh, for the first time, I think, since the Nixon administration, or it's at least been a while, the National League won the all-star game earlier this week in Major League Baseball. Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, of course, it was on Fox with the, the you know the the number one team there, and ESPN Radio with John Shambi and in company there. Um, 
you know, it was an interesting uh, night, you know, if you're following sort of the the, the media coverage and that kind of thing. Uh, the first thing I'd, I'd like to touch on, TJ, I'd love to get your your thoughts on this. You know, it seemed like there was more outrage than there have been these last couple seasons on the uh, uniforms. You know, uh, you know, it's not like the old days where, you know, the, the players wore their uh, uniforms of their teams and it was so distinctive, you know, who, who was who and from what team and so forth. But they're in, you know, these American League versus National League uniforms like any other game and you know it seemed like you know more than i had noticed you know these past couple years because they haven't done the their own team uniform since 2019 now there wasn't a game in 2020 but there's been a few seasons now that this has been the case but for whatever reason everyone was jumping on this train that you know this was a this was a a travesty and all this stuff i'm like well where were you guys last year and the year before when you know it was the same case don't get me started because all the all-star games do this and it's marketing they want to sell an all-star jersey of your favorite stars in all of these sports so that's a big part of it i'm with you maybe we're old men now we're nostalgic get off my lawn i love seeing all-star games where larry bird is in celtic green or reggie jackson is in yankee pinstripes go on and on down the list wayne gretzky is in his edmonton oilers or la kings colors playing in an all-star game so maybe i am a little nostalgic it doesn't bother me that much anymore because the nba all-star game does this they don't play the pro bowl now they're not going to play the pro bowl anymore but they used to wear the goofy looking you know red blue neon that it's not it's not their usual uniforms uh and the same with the national hockey league but anyway yeah so a lot a lot on the uniforms and at least it was a competitive a game that that had some different moments so what what else stands out now from the broadcast and anything else that you want to say on the well, baseball all-star you game? know last thing on the uniforms you know in today's day and age as a as a baseball fan i don't know the players as well as i did back in the the 70s 80s and 90s and so i actually need a little bit of help you know identifying who they are and who they play for these days so that i think that the uniforms actually would help uh, that cause a bit uh the other thing that came up and this is near and dear to your market down there in tampa bay was the snub of the rays during the uh pa announcement which was actually done the the PA intros, which is a, a topic we can kind of roll this into by uh, Fox and by Joe Davis, the play-by-play announcer. And uh, the Rays were left out on those intros. TJ, for, why don't you set this one up? Because you are obviously living and breathing the reaction to this well, thing down there. I did not see this. I had been out and I had not seen the intros. I'm out with the twins. And you want to know the truth? We were taking a driving lesson. My 15-year-olds, they've turned 15, have learner's permits. So I didn't see the pregame intros. And I didn't see the very beginning of the game on Tuesday night and social media with all the people I follow locally is going crazy. And then the local TV went crazy on Tuesday night on how do you not announce Wander Franco, the outstanding infielder for the Rays, and then the injured pitcher, Shane McClanahan, a little forgivable. He's not playing the game, but they're in uniform and they totally skipped over them uh, in the, and so local media here, as you can imagine, local sports radio here has gone crazy with the snub and I'm just enlightening everybody that you can't, you don't blame Joe Davis in that instance. What happened is they screwed the script up that they were giving him and they left those guys off. And it's not as if uh, they were being shown and he should have read something and he missed it. They totally missed those two names. And that's inexcusable from MLB and whomever at Fox that messed that up. Um, it's inexcusable, but I, I understand in other markets in New York, Chicago, LA, Detroit, Atlanta, you don't care. Tampa Bay cared because that's two of the all-stars that should have at least been recognized in the pregame introduction. Franco's a tremendous 
uh, infielding prospect. And the Rays have had the best record in baseball up until the final week of the first part of the season here before the Braves overtook them. So, uh, yeah, that is a snub. So there's the, there's the insight on the snub there with the intros. And I know I know you're wanting to hit on something, too, about having the announcers do the pregame introductions live on TV, which this this has actually happened some and still happens some. Yeah, we, we've talked about this before, Mike and I, and the, you know, the last time was around the Final Four and the, the National Championship game where Jim Nance, you know, a, announces to the stadium audience, but it's also shown on TV at the, at the same time, you know, the, the, the introductions used to be the case with the, the Super Bowl as well for, for a number of years. These days, Alan Roach of the Minnesota Vikings, the PA announcer there, he's the consistent PA voice of the Super Bowl. So at least the Super Bowl has gotten out of that business, but I'd like to lead a charge here on the announcer schedules <laughs> podcast for TV networks to get out of this business of doubling as PA announcer. I will venture to say that the announcers themselves would rather not have that task. I, you know, I, I can't speak for, for Joe Davis and for Jim Nance. And, you know, I guess Ian Eagle, you know, next spring, you know, might be, be the case also with the national championship game. Um, I, you know, I know there's other examples, you know, throughout, you know, uh, big time sports also, again, where the play-by-play announcer becomes the PA announcer uh, mm-hmm. on the, you know, um, suddenly, you know, for the, the, the open of these big, Big events so they can air it on television as well. The reason I think they should get out of that business is is um, a, a couple. You know, number one is things like this can happen and you can end up, you know, looking bad like, you know, um, you know, Fox and, and, you know, not while probably not his fault, Joe Davis as well. You know, this this past uh, all-star game. Um, number two, I, I do believe the broadcasters would rather just get out of it. But number three is you're really taking away you know, an opportunity from a PA announcer who has, you know, worked hard throughout his career perfecting his or her craft. I mean, these guys, you know, this is what they do. They Mm -hmm. perfect the craft of a stadium public address. And frankly, they can do it better than any TV play-by-play guy out there who's got a thousand other things going on with any given broadcast that, you know, here's one more thing on your plate, you know, Nance or or You make a good point that I wonder if it's going to continue with Ian Eagle when he takes over for Jim Nance, and this has already been decided, and Nance has already said goodbye from the Final Four. I wonder if it will continue. The guy that does it for the NCAA is a Chicago guy, Gene Honda. Gene, I believe, does the White Sox, does some DePaul basketball, some other teams, maybe the University of Illinois. Uh, public address and George Offman, our buddy would tell me a story. I don't know with his podcast series. He interviewed Gene Honda. You can go back and hear that interview. And it's one of his great thrills to get to be at the final four every year as the PA announcer, but he doesn't do the intros for the three games, the two semifinals and the championship game, or at least he hasn't uh, in the, in the recent years. We'll see if that, if that changes. And I was just thinking the NBA doesn't do this with Mike Breen. He doesn't do the intros. The PA announcer in the arena does the intros. And the same would be for the National Hockey League, where now it was Kenny Albert uh, with Ed Olchek on TNT, previously Sean McDonough the year before with Ray Ferraro, that they didn't do the PA announcement of the starters for the Stanley Cup finals. I don't know about the All-Star game, but I don't think so. I don't I don't think they do, but it's just interesting. It's an interesting dynamic, and you'd like to see them get out of doing it and putting it on the announcer and give a little love back to the PA announcer as opposed to yeah. the play-by-play guy. 
in in a, in a perfect world, the PA. I mean, I understand guys like Alan Roach and you know the, these announcers who've kind of you know graduated this level of getting this big assignment year in and year out and that kind of thing. But in a perfect world, and you know me being you know man of the the uh, uh, people out there, the announcers out there, I'd love for just the the home the host stadium PA person to get that opportunity as well um, as, you know, just a little feather in their cap, you know, for all the, the, the time and, you know, work that they put in over the years. And they at least had a good game to call. And I love the innovations with talking to the players during the game about different stuff. Um, you're only going to see that in an all-star game. You're not, you're not going to see that as live action is going on in games anymore. Now you do, you have seen that in NASCAR. I know you're a big motorsports guy where they're talking to drivers, like during a caution, when they're doing caution laps, while the race is going on, you see it sometimes in golf. They were doing it earlier this year in the early rounds of the major championships where they'd have a quick conversation with a player walking off the tee towards their, towards their ball in a major championship. But it's very rare that you're going to get, uh, an interview now you'll maybe get wired up access with a wireless mic where you can hear players and hear what they're talking about but not a Q&A per se so I thought that was interesting from the all-star game all right real quick to wrap it on baseball the home run derby which still had over six million people watch the home run derby on Monday night I, I my opinion it has outlived its usefulness I understand the kids the younger generation still loves watching this with the competitions so they had the home run derby and now we got baseball get, getting back into the regular season this weekend with some different broadcasts so go ahead with all of it Phil yeah, you know, right back at it with the the regular season, but you always feel like you kind of get propelled into the second half of the season after the All Star break. There'll be a couple games on Apple TV Plus uh, per usual on Friday. Uh, Fox has got you know regional action on Saturday night. White Sox and Braves. We know that one will be Jason Benetti and Tom Verducci. Assuming it'll be Joe Davis and John Smoltz over on Fox on Dodgers Mets. Uh, Mike Cousins and Doug Glanville will also have the ESPN radio call of that one. And then uh, back at it on Sunday as well, Peacock, and then Sunday night baseball on ESPN. On that Dodgers Mets uh, Saturday night game that has the national call of Mike Cousins and Doug Glanville, another plug for George and the Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast. Doug Glanville is his guest in an upcoming episode talking about doing ESPN radio, talking about uh, he teaches classes now, broadcasting classes, by the way, uh, at the University of Connecticut, I believe. Glanville was a tremendous outfielder, too, for the Chicago Cubs. Oh, by the way, you'll hear that on a subsequent interview. But, yeah, the national games are back, including Carl Ravitch, Eduardo Perez, David Cohn um, uh, calling the Astros Angels on TV. Roxy Bernstein, our buddy, and you've had him on on the Announcer Schedules podcast, and Chris Burke will call it on radio uh, Sunday night. So yeah, the, the litany of games back underway for all of the different, uh, networks, Apple plus Peacock, Fox, uh, ESPN Turner with the Tuesday night game, et cetera. Get ready, get ready for the full swing, right? Phil to crank back up for major league yeah, baseball. That's right. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to, to getting back after it, you know, like I love from an announcing standpoint, baseball i mean i think it might be in a lot of ways you know the the best sport you know just in terms of pure you know broadcasting and for clips and in that kind of thing and obviously there, there's so many games and so many uh broadcasts going on across the country that there's a lot to choose from not to mention the the minor league levels where a lot of these guys are uh, on their way uh coming up and, and that sort of thing one last one that kind of really got my eye a lot of buzz around john sadak the voice of the reds these days on television um de la Cruz when he stole every base yes you know? uh, he stole his... second he stole third and then he stole home 
And John Sadak got more and more and more pumped with each stolen yep. base, including stealing home. What a moment. Yeah, what, what a moment from him. So guys like, you know, in thanks to social media and the way we're able to, you know, share clips and that kind of thing, you know, we're able to check out the Reds announcer from, from time to time and, and and so forth throughout the country. So I love baseball for that reason. And, you know, we'll have uh, plenty, you know, beginning this weekend and throughout the second half of the season. So on that Braves uh, Rays Fox national game that was just before the all-star break on Saturday night, AJ Pruszynski, who I knew from from doing some different broadcasting and some different stuff, and I've heard him do some games before, but man, he and Adam Amin, I thought were tremendous together. And Amin is a is a pros pro with Fox, but they were very entertaining uh, and and very enlightening. And Przinsky was volunteering things before they happened, so I really liked that as kind of a an up and coming career. I I don't know that I said this to you, but uh, I was having a lot of fun as the hockey playoffs unfolded talking on uh, the last word on sports media podcast and listening to you guys as well, that I, it has really grown on me that Bob was who you've had on and Brian Boucher, who you just recently had on together as a pairing. I'm almost like the bachelor. Will you accept this rose here from those guys? I love those guys right now. Calling the end. No disrespect to Kenny Albert and Eddie Olchick, Sean McDonough, Ray Ferraro. But uh, Amin and A.J. Pruszynski really impressed me together as a team. And I don't know if they're going to have them back on that one of those Fox games or FS1 games. I would assume that they will on a semi-regular basis. But that was an interesting pairing that I got to hear on Saturday between those yeah, two. Sometimes these number two, number three, number four teams um, really have some some outstanding uh, content as far as the announcers. And, you know, that, that kind of pops into my head a couple of analysts who I really enjoy on the NFL side. You know, Charles Davis, who I know, you know, you've had on your show and who, who you've known for That's years. That's one of my guys. That's you know, one of my he's guys. one Love of the him. guys who I'm like, wow, if he's calling a game, I'll just I'll watch it sure. for the sake of listening to him. Um, I'm also a big fan of Brock Heward. You know, who's another guy kind of like, you know, not necessarily a number one team guy, but, you know, I think there's there's plenty of guys like that. And you just mentioned, you know, a few on, on both the hockey and baseball side as well, who are like, man, um, you know, in a few years, maybe they'll be in that 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 number one spot if, if, if uh, you know, the cards uh, are dealt that way. All right, lots of baseball, no doubt. Back on TV. Let's go to tennis. Let's go to Wimbledon, all the serene, the all England club. Quiet, please. The All England Club, and everybody has to be in white. Uh, Phil and I are up to, uh, old enough to remember the tennis balls used to be white, too. And then they got tougher to see on TV, tougher to see with the court shoot-ups, and then they went to yellow tennis balls. And it was like blasphemy, blasphemy for a year or two that we had yellow tennis balls at Wimbledon. Uh, but in any event, say a little bit about the tournament and then the ladies' semifinals and championship, men's semifinals and championship for this weekend as we release the podcast, Phil, for one of the most prestigious events in sports, not just in tennis, with Wimbledon on the grass. Yeah, the, the championships this weekend, a couple of notes on this. Number one, the broadcast location that, you know, Chris Fowler and, and um, you know, McEnroe will use uh, the bunker as they call it, which, you know, I'll, I'll try to get this out on the on the Twitter feed. It's really fascinating, this location that they have. Um, you know, it's an incredible uh, spot on the, the court. And, uh, you know, Fowler, uh, some very tight quarters, some tight working conditions for, for that group, but a beautiful vantage point in the bunker. And then if people, you know, if I, was, I can just stop you, if people can visualize this, think about doing this like in front of the mirror of your bathroom sink with somebody else. That's about the amount of space that they have in the bunker where you see Fowler with Chris Everett 
and uh, and McEnroe, or even I was watching Pam Shriver and Mary Jo Fernandez call the women's match. And literally, folks, we're talking about a four to five foot wide space where they're crammed in just because of all the different broadcasts and the stuff that they're doing on on center court with that bunker. So I know of what you speak, and there's a visual for you here on the podcast of how much room they don't have. Phil, continue on. Yeah, and in fact, it's so tight that you can't stand up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of announcers prefer standing yes. up and, you know, it keeps your energy levels up and you get a better vantage point and you feel like you're on top of things a little more. Well, you can't stand up in this one. In fact, they have a padded ceiling in case you try to stand up so you don't knock yourself out hitting your your noggin on the top of the, the bunker. So a uh, pretty, pretty cool stuff there. But I was able to catch some of this quarterfinal match uh, where this, you know, upstart American Christopher Eubanks was uh, really making some noise. Uh, and the McEnroe brothers were handling this game yes. together. And, you know, it got me thinking about Patrick McEnroe. And he is a fast, you know, everyone talks about John McEnroe. Everybody knows Johnny Mac, you know, the big celebrity and all these things. But Pat McEnroe is kind of one of these, you know, sneaky, good, uh, big time announcers who a lot of people, I think, sort of overlook a little bit. And he's one of these rare guys who does both play by play and color depending on the booth that he's set up with. And, mm -hmm. you know, when he works with his brother, John, he's the play-by-play -play guy and, and John's the analyst. And they're able to, you know, not only, you know, announce the, the match, but they're able to be brothers as well. And, you know, we talked about this on an earlier episode way back, um, but I'd like to bring it up again. You know, other examples of guys who handle, have done both play-by-play -play and analyst work in their careers and names that come up. Terry Gannon, we were talking about Jimmy Valvano earlier. Uh, Gannon actually filled in, um, you know, for for Jimmy V for some of those games as an analyst, but he's done a lot of play-by-play -play work yes. across all sorts of sports, you know, figure skating, gymnastics, Olympics, you name it. But, you know, he's one, you know, who's crossed over. Joe Garagiola. You know, who when we were going down uh, memory lane on all that that all star stuff, you know, he's a guy who who did both. Howard Cosell, you'd see do both as well. And then a couple, you know, uh, names that people might not be quite as familiar with, but who are both close to me. I've worked with both these guys up in the booth. Do you remember the name Ray Bentley, TJ? Yes. You know, um, former linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. He did play by play work. He was one of these. um uh, players who, when he retired and went into broadcasting, he raised his hand and said, I'd like to become a play-by-play -play guy. Teach me how. And he became a play-by-play -play guy first, then later became an analyst. I worked a ton of games uh, with Ray Bentley and Dave Lamont over the years in college football. And then Jimmy Cephalo, if you know that name, you know, uh, did analyst work uh, for, for NBC and that kind of thing. And he's now the play-by-play -play voice of the Miami Dolphins on the radio. So just wanted to throw those out there in that sort of topic. You you know, hey, play-by-play -play analyst, if you can do both, you're that much more versatile, maybe you can get another gig or two. And one of the most famous names is Pat Summerall, who for so many years was the analyst in the early 70s, the mid-70s, and then began to do play-by-play but he also shuffled as an analyst on radio on occasion too, like in the early eighties when he was not doing a game on TV, CBS would interestingly pair guys differently. Summerall would be paired sometimes with John Madden, but sometimes he would be paired uh, with, with Hank Stram or Tom Brookshire. They would pair Vin Scully with Stram or Madden. They would interchange them. And on the famous, uh, Joe Montana to Dwight Clark catch that's Vin Scully and Hank Stram doing TV and believe it or not Phil DeMont Mullen I don't know how how aware you are of this 
That is Jack Buck and Pat Summerall as the analyst on CBS Radio for the Montana to Dwight Clark catch. So Summerall was also kind of in that same vein of I can be the play-by-play guy, I can be the analyst, whichever. And it does take versatility. They are two different jobs. But to bring it back to the McEnroe's, I love listening to those two guys because it seems like Patrick McEnroe can bring some some more out of John McEnroe with personal stories, as you would expect, brotherhood and whatever, calling the match. Uh, and McEnroe, again, has worked with so many, whether it's been the late Dick Inberg or now with Chris Fowler on doing these uh, uh, championship matches. It's just interesting to hear them. And I'm impressed still with Pam Shriver, who's right at, what, 70 years old, still doing play-by-play for the ladies. She is right on it with the calls, with the insight, with setting up the analyst. I really enjoy her as well, just as a quick comment. And that's a former player and an analyst doing play-by-play, exactly what what you were talking about, Phil. Yeah, uh, I think she's outstanding as well. And, of course, Chrissy Everett, uh, part of the – you know, production also a uh, huge name. And I, I heard your show uh, a, a couple of podcasts back where you talked about that outstanding article from the Washington Post on Chrissy and Martina. I got a tremendous. chance to, to read that tremendous piece of. Uh, Can we oversell writing. that? Can we overstate no. that? You can't go read the Sally Jenkins article from the Washington Post on Chris Everett, uh, Chris Everett and uh, Martina Navratilova and uh their cancer battles together right now they're both battling cancer right now and chris is working the wimbledon tournament she'll be on the call of the ladies championship uh this weekend go read that uh for their relationship and how all of that has worked out and i i thought it was fascinating to hear sally jenkins tell the story about how it all came together as i was explaining on the podcast and the relationship that she has uh with them to be able to tell that story and the privilege to uh to tell that story all right we come down the home stretch uh, here on the program, uh, we're not going to get away without touching on soccer or football, the world sport, including the Women's World Cup looming. What else do you have from the announcer schedule standpoint here, Phil, on the soccer going on this week and what's to come? Well, Women's World Cup around the corner. We can talk more about that on on future episodes as we get started in Australia and New Zealand on Fox. That begins next week, Thursday, July. We, we had another reminder that you and I are getting old. I don't know how many in our audience are getting old. But the ladies, because this is big in my household, I don't know about you, but the ladies, my ladies, my 15-year-olds, who when they were 11, when they were 7, they got into the Women's World Cup big time because we're successful. They know who the players are. So we were watching the send-off match, the friendly match, where they were uh, playing the final match. And I want to say, was it Ireland? I believe they were playing Ireland. The ladies' national team is headed to New Zealand and Australia. Turner was showing the match live. And we are this old, Phil DeMont Mullen, that Dennis Rodman's daughter, Trinity Rodman, scored both of the goals in the send-off game. And I'm trying to tell the twins, she is the son of a borderline lunatic former basketball player who dyed his hair all kinds of colors and wore a, red, a wedding dress and all of this. And there's a whole estranged relationship with Dennis and his daughter. But we are old enough, Phil, that Trinity Rodman, the daughter of Dennis Rodman, is a hero at times right now for the U.S. women's national soccer team coming up. Yeah, Cup. I think that that's that? a story that's going to probably get big. You know, yes. she's going to become a big star, you know, come come Fox's coverage. And uh, yeah, it does kind of age us a, a little bit. But uh, yeah, rooting for Trinity Rodman, rooting for the, the women's uh, national team for sure. And, you know, they'll be, um, you know, on the other side of the world. We talked to, to Kate Scott on the this podcast uh, a couple episodes back. She's part of that production on Fox, along with all sorts of other, you know, of their, their, their big soccer voices, including, you know, the ones who've been calling this Gold Cup this week. And, you know, there was a thriller uh, this past Sunday night 
at USA and Canada. It went to uh shootout. John Strong, Stu Holden, Jenny Taft reporting for that one. But then the U.S. lost last night to Panama, also in a shootout. So they won't be in that Gold Cup final, you know. So that's probably a big disappointment, not only you know for U.S. soccer fans, but also for Fox. It's a Panama Jamaica final of that one on <laughs> a slight on come down, just a slight come down from having the United States in the title game. And just for three point nine seconds, how have we never figured it out? Thirty years later or 40 years later for men's soccer in this country with all the infrastructure and the hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue that flow every which direction through sports how have we not figured out that we can have 10 or 12 elite soccer players and compete on the world level i just it, it dumbfounds me the ladies figured it out the ladies have had it figured out for 20 plus years you can say something about other countries being way behind us on women's rights and women's playing but the the women here have figured it out and the women's infrastructure have figured it out we got to figure it out with the men when it comes to the World Cup, the Olympics, the World Championships, or any of that in soccer. I'm just saying. Now I'm off yeah. my soapbox now. I'm done. <laughs> uh, with that, anything else on the coverage of it? Um, well, just one, one last. There was a big transaction this week also. John Champion, uh, who has done Premier League matches for, for years on all sorts of outlets, uh, well-known for the Premier League crowd. Well, he's going to be part of NBC's coverage uh, which gets going in August of the Premier League, and he's going to have one of the big matches every Sunday morning on NBC or USA Network. Uh, so uh, worth noting that big transaction in the soccer world as well. Down the stretch on the Announcer Schedules podcast, a little NBA Summer League. I've checked it out a little bit here and there. There's a litany. You like my word? There's a litany of people broadcasting the games all over the place. Uh, say a couple of words about the summer league action. It's not only going on in Las Vegas, but it's also going on in Salt Lake City, and it may even be going on in other locations. Give us a little more, Phil, because it's everywhere on ESPN, NBA TV, et cetera. Yeah, the Salt Lake City, you know, it seemed like that was a, a, a week ago, and they seem to use, you know, mainly the the jazz announcers, you know, for that kind of thing. Um, you know, at least people kind of base there. But now that it's been in Las Vegas this week, both NBA TV and ESPN, you know, they broadcast every game possible. It's on multiple courts in in, in Las Vegas, and they are rolling through play-by-play guys, analysts, and sideline reporters, you know, where you basically you get an assignment of a couple days worth and then it's on to the next crew and that kind of thing. And so I don't know if this is to get people's uh, reps in the offseason to, you know, keep the, the the cash flowing as well, whatever it might be. Um, but the bottom line is a ton of play-by-play analysts and reporters are getting action. You know, uh, guys like Mark Kessischer, Mark Jones, Drew Carter, Beth Moen, Sean Kelly. Uh, Kelly and Kessischer, of course, usually on ESPN Radio, but opportunity to see those guys on television this week and then on nba tv just going through the play-by-players chris miles uh matt weiner lisa byington uh, who's also the voice of the milwaukee bucks noah eagle and michael grady are some of the play-by-players we've seen so you know if you're a fan of the announcing and you want to you know to, to you know to, to catch some of that action um you know it's a different TV product, you know, where you're not that concerned with the score of the game and it can become more conversational and that kind of thing at times. Um, I saw PJ Carlissimo do it, do a bunch of the games as well on ESPN. So it's always cool to hear from guys like that. Seth Greenberg was doing some games also where they can kind of, you know, be a little more laid back and that, you know, not be glued to, to every, uh, you know, offensive rebound and, you know, personal foul necessarily. I think you know this about me. I was the tenure voice of the university of South Florida in Tampa play by play 
when Seth Greenberg was the head coach of the Bulls. And I was everything with Seth. I was pregame. I was postgame interview. I was radio one hour show. I was television half hour show. And I keep joking with the Greenie. I've heard all this material and all these jokes 20 and 25 years ago now. All the stuff you see on ESPN, it's like insert new names, insert whatever. I've heard a lot of this. So I give him a hard time on that because a lot of people now have been hearing it nationally for over a decade. Uh, and I got to hear it back in the 90s. I knew I was in trouble on one episode of the Seth Greenberg show when I made a Seinfeld reference and he gave me the blank stare that he didn't know who Seinfeld was. And I went, my God, we're in trouble here. Uh, we got to reel sure, this back in. TJ, if you knew him back then and you did all those interviews with him and that kind of thing, you had to of, of recognize that he was going to be a natural if he oh, ever sure. wanted to get into broadcasting. Oh, right? absolutely. And the reason I knew as well is that he would do a regular segment with Hank the Hammer Goldberg on 560 WQAM or, or even WIOD back in those days when Hank was on there. He was a regular guest come March Madness every year. Hank would have him for on for yep. these extended yep. segments and really dive deep into to the college hoops uh, stuff. And, you know, uh, Seth, before he got to USF, was an assistant with the Miami Hurricanes way back when, you know, in their early days of bringing back the, the program there. But I could tell, and Hank knew, that this guy was a, a, a broadcaster as much as he was a coach and that, you know, um, you know, he, he obviously uh, had his way with his, with the words and with the microphone and that kind of thing. And, you know, the rest has been history. I mean, he's one of the top analysts on uh, college basketball today. Uh, okay, so let's segue that into the WNBA, which, by the way, has concluded the first half of their season. They've got the All-Star Game this weekend, and I've got a little tidbit on top of what you have. So WNBA All-Star Game also coming this weekend? Yeah, uh, number one crew of uh, Ryan Rucco, Rebecca Lobo, Holly Rowe, who just, <laughs> I mean, talk about a tireless broadcaster, you know, works year round. She'll be uh, handling the sidelines for that one. Uh, I did get a chance over the, the weekend to catch some of the WNBA studio show. I think they do a nice job as well. Lachina Robinson, Andrea Carter, Ross Gold, Anwudan, Carolyn Peck, you know, really, um, you know, women's basketball aficionados there. And, and uh, yeah, you know, it seems like the WNBA is continuing to, to grow at a, at a pretty decent clip yeah there's great momentum right now because of what happened with uh the women's basketball championship and all the attention around caitlin clark and iowa against lsu with angel reese and company winning it shout out to my buddy tc martin las vegas radio personality and also the voice of the las vegas aces on local radio the defending world he would correct me right now phil if we were if he was here was the defending champion the defending wnba champion las vegas aces because tc is going to do the national radio call of the wnba all-star game originating in vegas syndicated radio stations and also through the wnba social channels their website their app the radio call can be found tc martin will be on the call on that 5 30 vegas time 8 30 eastern time saturday night on abc so a shout out for tc on nice. the announcer schedules podcast out in uh las vegas final few moments what else do you have for me we've got some motorsports We've got an announcement for uh, Fox and their college football big noon kickoff pregame show. What what else do we have on the final nuggets, the, the quick stuff before we're done? Yeah, motorsports this weekend, uh, NASCAR in New Hampshire. That'll be on the USA Network, uh, typical NBC crew for that one, Rick Allen, Dale Jr. and company. There's also an IndyCar race in Toronto on Peacock as well on Sunday with their usual By the crew. way, can I just stroke your ego and stroke Mike Gill, who in his absence here, you guys a year ago had Rick Allen on 
uh, from NBC last, I believe last summer, right? Doing the, doing the races for NBC and Rick Allen to tie it back to earlier in this show, didn't know really anything about NASCAR and was an announcer was a PA announcer back to that. And he had to get up to speed on learning races, no pun intended, learning how to call racing. And he does a tremendous job. And I got very educated on him because of this podcast. Keep up the great work because I didn't know any of that story. What a great story, Phil, just to follow it yeah. up one more time I mean, on him. He's a great story because and there's plenty like him, you know, who came up from very humble starts, you know, a PA announcer or, you know, whether it's minor league baseball or whatever it might be in racing, you know, working at some short track or something and working your way up slowly, but surely, you know, he was, he was doing the craftsman truck series for years before he got this cup series opportunity. And so uh, really cool to see uh, success stories like Rick Allen. There's also uh, tonight, if you're listening to this podcast on Thursday, the uh, season debut of the SRX series. I don't know if you've caught this at all. This is the one that Tony Stewart and uh, company own, and it'll be on ESPN. Uh, Alan Beswick, who motorsports fans mm-hmm. uh, know his name for, for you know many years, uh, handling the Cup Series. Uh, he'll be on the call. Uh, Joey Logano is going to serve as the guest analyst for this race. Matt Yoakum uh, will be the reporter. So we're checking out that they're bringing back uh, Thunder Thursday Night Thunder. You know, because it's got sort of that short track <laughs> feel. You know, they're they're racing up at a half mile track in in Connecticut for this one so um i actually haven't had the chance to see this srx series much so i might just uh check that out and you mentioned college football uh mark ingram uh the star running back for all those years for the new orleans saints well he's entering the broadcasting fray uh he's joining fox as a college football analyst on big noon kickoff so a big announcement there from fox they had to uh, they replaced reggie bush and they have to get a little bit of sec flavor i know there's sec fatigue all over the country for college football but and i know fox is more into the big 10 mode and, the, and a little bit of the big 12 big noon kickoff but you got to have a little sec now i'm going to pop quiz you why is mark ingram the answer to the trivia question as it relates to alabama and all the heisman trophies loaded question why why is why is mark ingram relevant he's for the audience too the first he's the first alabama crimson tide football player to win the heisman trophy they've had multiple ones since then uh from Derek henry uh to Devonte smith uh, to Mac Jones, on and on and on, that have won the Heisman Trophy. Mark Ingram was the first one, and so Wait, he's no one under this. all those Bear Bryant years. Everyone incredible, no, no Joe, yeah. no Joe Namath, by right. the way, to quote that, uh, who yep. was a tremendous college quarterback as much as they were in in Bears. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that's uh, it's pretty amazing on that. So that's part of the big noon kickoff, and then there's an update to uh, an announcement about an NFL radio play-by-play situation as well. Yeah, uh, Chris Brown, he's going to start the season as the Bills radio play-by-play voice over on WGR 550 AM up in the Buffalo area. If you remember, right around when all the DeMar Hamlin stuff went down, uh, John Murphy um, had to step away from the booth. Uh, He had um, suffered a stroke. Well, he's still recovering from that um, after missing the end of last year and uh, wish him, uh, you know, a recovery there. But Chris Brown will continue in his role as interim play-by-play announcer for the Bills. And my buddy Sal Capaccio is part of that radio broadcast and part of uh, WGR as the sideline guy and a a bunch of their different coverage and a weekday host there. And again, we we hope the best for John Murphy. It's just been a serious health situation uh, for him. I know that Eli Gold, the play-by-play voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide, intends to try to return for this fall coming up in a couple of months 
uh, from his illness and battling cancer, et cetera. My buddy Chris Stewart has been filling in that chair right now on an interim basis. So with some of those legendary voices, time does march on. Health is always a concern. So we hope that uh, that John Murphy gets well soon. All right, final couple of moments. What else? Some accolades, some acknowledgments. What else on announcer schedules? Real quick. Well, big shout out to Jim Clark, the voice of the Akron Rubber Ducks. You know, speaking of minor league baseball, <laughs> 3,500 games. Oh That's a milestone Lord. on wait, any wait. level. Th- let me start thinking about this. If you have 100, they have 100 minor league games in a year. Maybe yeah. you're talking about 35 years of doing 100 games of minor league games to do 3,500 for the Akron Rubber Ducks. I love it. I yeah, love it. So, shout out to Jim Clark. Shout out to Jim Clark. And a happy birthday. We always love ending on the, these notes. Happy 75th birthday to Tony Kornheiser. You know, obviously everyone knows him from, from PTI. He's been going strong. Mr. With, with Tony. Mr. Tony, who we love. That's right. And, you know, just since we talk mainly about, you know, booths, do want to remind folks he was part of that Monday night football booth with Mike Tirico, 2006 to 2008. Theismann, uh, who we spoke of earlier in this show, was also in that booth in 2006 with them. But happy birthday, Tony Kornheiser, 75 years young. Uh, yeah, tremendous um, uh, that uh, that the empire that he and Michael Wilbon have built with pardon the interruption um that has now been on the air over 20 years and what over a thousand episodes and it may even be may, maybe i'm selling it short it may be like five thousand episodes uh, pardon the interruption uh that they have done and they they the amazing thing is they would have been doing this whether they were on tv with cameras or not for the last 25 years this is what wilbon and kornizer do when they're around each other it's what they've always done in the washington post newsroom or when they're out to dinner or at a game almost start to fight with plastic silverware in a, in a press box arguing over something uh, and now they have tv cameras and makeup on and get paid for it so uh great on mr tony uh, who's a lot of fun, very dry, very sarcastic. We remember him from the sports reporters, the Sunday morning show on ESPN that was always on. I was always at church, by the way, and would have to tape it, but we'd come back and watch the sports reporters uh, because they would be going over the news of the week, and Tony Kornheiser would be sitting there, along with Dick Schapp and a lot of the other uh, big-name sports reporters, to go over the issues of uh, of the week. Yeah, so love anyway, the, love happy the sports birthday. reporters. There was also a show in that, you know, maybe this is a good topic for George Offen. There was one out of Chicago with some old school sports writers as well that made, you know, it had, uh, it had a airwaves. great original name, the sports writers on TV. That's what it was called. The go. sports writers on guys. TV with uh, with Rick Tellender, who we were referencing on the uh, the last word on sports media podcast. He was kind of like the young guy. And then the other guys that were uh, involved were all older, seemingly crotchety, had covered everything. For Cigar so smoke. Cigar you know? smoke going. And, the, and then you would start, they would start getting ridiculing each other. This guy can't play what are you talking about this guy can't play you know they would go on and on the sports writers on tv uh yeah i think uh, we need to we need to challenge george maybe like an oral history of the the sports (laughs) writers on tv somehow you know (laughs) that is great but happy birthday to mr tony uh and and the great uh the podcast name this show stinks that this show stinks podcast that he does now and he's got the tony kornheiser show as well as pardon the interruption and he can write too love uh love he and uh, Wilbon for their writing also. Uh, with that, did we leave anything else out on this edition of the show here? Or are we all good? I think we covered a lot of ground, TJ. <laughs> Thank you again for stepping in. You know, maybe this was a Kirk Gibson type performance from you. I, but uh, yeah, that's uh, Vince Scully and Joe Garziola, by the way, on the call on TV. And Jack Buck 
on the call on on radio. Vin Vin Scully's call as the Dodgers announcer is she is out of here. Jack Buck, I don't believe what I just saw, which which he's right that that shouldn't have happened, but it did happen. Uh, by the way, number of home runs Dennis Eckersley had given up in that 1988 season in relief up until that moment. Zero. Zero. He had not given up a home run until right then when Kurt Gibson blasted that ball out. Uh, and we love the announcers for it, uh, too, as well. The late uh, Vin Scully and Jack Buck on those famous calls with Kurt Gibson hobbling to the plate. I don't know. I guess I am Kurt Gibson in this episode. Mike Gill will be back soon enough after the technical problems here this week. Phil, plug away again for everything. Uh, announcer schedules, the podcast feed, uh, and all the different stuff. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, this podcast comes out every week. We also have standalone interviews with you know special guests. Uh, love for you to check those out. If you just go back in the archives, you can find find a bunch of them. Um, you know, we talk to guys through throughout all um, sports and all sorts of um, expertise and that kind of thing. And I think you'll really enjoy their stories. Recent examples: Kate Scott, who you mentioned, who's going to be doing the Women's World Cup. Search her name on this podcast feed. You can go back and hear her. George Sedano, who you mentioned, is doing uh, NBA coverage with the Summer League. Go back and hear his story. You guys have done a tremendous job with those different interviews. And if you just go search the name on this Last Word on Sports Media podcast feed, you can go back and hear those conversations. There's no yeah, doubt. Absolutely. And we'll continue to, to turn out the announcer pairings on at announcer skeds on Twitter. So um, I'd imagine most people listening to this podcast, you know, follow the Twitter feed already, but uh, check us out there. Send us a, a note. If, if you, you, um... my man, my man is just on it. I mean, you dropped that highlight of uh, Keith Jack, Keith Jackson and Howard Cosell. And I had to educate you, Don Drysdale on the call of the 1978 all-star game. I was riveted to the highlight you had on the announcer schedules podcast feed. Um, on, on the announcer schedules, Twitter feed, excuse me, um, uh, with that. And then you and I went down the rabbit hole where you were looking up all the announcers of all-star games and world series and Joe Garziola and Tony Kubek. And I didn't even remember that Tom Seaver was doing the world series while an active big time all-star pitcher, they had him doing the world series games on, uh, on TV. Um, it, yeah. So we, we went down the nostalgia rabbit hole on that, but great stuff on the announcer skids pod, uh, Twitter feed, uh, to, to keep up with all the different people calling the game. I, I say this to you off the air. Uh, and I feel like so many people appreciate this. There's times when I'm hearing a game and I don't know who's calling it. And folks, I jump right onto social media and Phil labor of love. That's basically got it there. If it's a national game on tv especially you're going to know who the announcers are because of this man that's on the podcast keep up the great work with that there's no doubt uh on that all right so in any event again follow or subscribe to this podcast feed announcer schedules the podcast is out late in the week mike gill will be back with phil soon enough vacations are still happening football will be here soon but we've got the wimbledon this weekend we've got baseball cranking back up the nba summer league Plenty to uh, plenty to go over and digest with the announcers. Phil, thank you as always. Great stuff on this edition of the show. Yeah, my pleasure, TJ. Thank you as well, and yeah, look forward to you know the next one. And everybody, enjoy all the action uh, across the airways this weekend. No doubt. All right, there you go. There goes Phil Demont Mullen. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Thank you for finding us as part of the announcer schedules podcast for this week. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.